Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I hope you are too. Uh, Sharon and I are very pleased to be here, and we're also a blessing to be here. It truly is. Um, We thank you so much for embracing both uh, April and Sean here at church, and may that continue. And may the Lord continue to bless you as a congregation here at Zurich as you look for an interim pastor and beyond, and the Lord will be with you. Before I begin, um, someone has said, you know, to have a little bit of levity in a sermon, so I'm going to have a little bit of levity to start off with, and then we're going to get real serious. For example, ask this question, what is the best way to really study the Bible? Do you know what's the best way to study the Bible? You just look into it. Okay, all right, try this one. A pastor told his congregation next week, I plan to preach about the the sin of lying. To help you understand this sermon, I want you to read Mark 17. So the following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver his sermon, the pastor asked for a show of hands. He wanted to know how many had actually read Mark 17. Several hands went up. The pastor smiled and said, Mark has only 16 chapters. I will now proceed with my sermon on lying. My sermon today is not on lying, but I will proceed now. And I just hope today for you and I that we can just kind of let go of the ups and downs of last week and focus on both the goodness, the greatness, and the gratefulness of God as we open up our hearts and minds to him. Let us pray. May the words I express, dear Lord, the thoughts I convey be according to your will. May you, dear Lord, alone receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen. The price of gas, the price of groceries, the price of weapons and sanctions in the Ukraine conflict, the price of opiates and fentanyl on teenagers' lives, the price of abortions, the price of lives lost in an accident, and the price of living now and forever with or without Christ. All of these examples could be put into one of these three categories, too pricey, not enough, or priceless. How you and I look at the price, whether it's financial, emotional, physical, or spiritual, of impacting lives, whether we're young or old, we need our world, we cannot look at it as from a tunnel vision. We need to look outside the box and beyond. It's like a group of children who lined up in a cafeteria at a Catholic elementary school for lunch. 
At the head of the table was a large pile of apples. A note was on the tray. Take only one. Remember, God is watching. Further up the line at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. A child had written a note. Take all you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> the truth is, God is watching both the apples and the cookies. So today, let's look at the why, the what, and the who is and should be priceless in your life. You know, people eat bread to satisfy hunger and to satisfy physical life. But you and I can only sustain spiritual life by a right relationship with Jesus Christ. John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What you and I may see and want to be priceless needs to be not just a head issue, but a heart issue. So let's consider this question first. What is in your heart today? I'm reading a, a poem from In Your Heart by Alva McAllister. What's that in your heart? Uh, don't ask me, God. What's that in your heart? Uh, well, I'm sad and discouraged. Underneath, what is it? Well, it's anger. I can't help it. The way they treated me. Give it to me. But I have cause, God. It was so unfair. Give it to me. I can't. It sees and burns like a very hot forest fire, but it protects me. It's all I have to rescue me. It sears your heart. It cripples. It blinds. The heart I made was not designed for this. Give it to me. Oh, God, oh, God, I can't. I won't. I don't know how. Give it to me. You don't want it, God. It's too ugly to look at, too horrid. Give it to me. And forgive them? No, God, I can't. Give it to me. Ouch. Oh, like grabbing rattlesnakes, like death. Peace. Be still. I'm with you, child. I'm always. And there was a great calm. Are you feeling that calm in your heart today? Or is your heart hurting? A couple of biblical examples are worth looking at regarding the heart. The Lord sent Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel from the house of Jesse. Samuel thought he knew which son, namely Eliab, but God knew better, and David was anointed. 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, Eliab. The Lord does not look at things man looks at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Romans 10, 10 emphatically states too, for it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. Even another great character of the Bible, such as Solomon, did not truly realize how priceless Christ was until the end of his life. You and I and myself all need to know, as 1 Corinthians 10, 31 states, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, ultimate happiness for you and me, and hopefully you, can only truly be found, as I said, in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's first look at who this Jesus Christ really is, just briefly. 
Did you know that Jesus Christ can be seen in every aspect of the Bible? Why? Because what God is, Jesus is. What God does, Jesus does. What God says, Jesus says. He who has seen me, Jesus, has seen the Father. Jesus was God walking around in a human body 2,000 years ago. He is the fullness of God. He is the I am. He is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus has been since all creation started and will be forever. Nothing is impossible with and for Christ. Very simply, Jesus was born. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus rose on the third day. And you know what? Jesus will be coming again. Jesus is the truth and forever will be. So I'm going to be looking at the passage from Philippians as read by Brenda this morning. And we're going to look at three aspects from Philippians. Knowing Christ, looking at the faith in Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. If you have your Bibles open, please turn to Philippians 3. I'm going to look at, firstly, knowing Christ in verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. By the way, Paul wrote this today from Philippians, not from a cozy resort, nor a house, but a dungy, disgusting prison. And also from a biblical fact, Philippians is by far the most personal writings of Paul. If you were, let's ask another question. If you were one of the three million Ukrainians fleeing the country, what would you take and consider priceless? Think for a moment of your personal priority list of the most valuable to totally worthless items in your possession. Can a true monetary emotional value be placed on them? How many of your most valuable possessions are located for others to see? How many of your valuable possessions are hidden or stored away for future use or future generations? All of us have something other than husband, wife, or family, which I'm sure we consider priceless. If a salesman, social media, Facebook, YouTube, offered an amount of money which seemed irresistible, would you let your personal attitudes and values go out the window? You know, a priceless possession in a mere material form is easy to handle, is easy to move around, is easy to store, or it's easy to pass on. Regarding the material want or need, uh, uh, Sharon and I went on one of our mission trips to Nicaragua. We decided that when we got back, we'd need a new kitchen floor. It was getting kind of decrepit. However, being in a remote village in Nicaragua where poverty prevailed, we personally witnessed their dirt, uneven, and damp floors. And you know what? They were so happy and so accepting of what they had. After arriving home, we changed our minds. You know what? We lived out with that outdated linoleum floor for many more years. The scripture, again, focuses on the heart 
and comes to mind is Matthew 6, verses 20 to 21. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Well, what about the people whom you consider priceless in terms of your own value or ranking system? How could you or I possibly prioritize people as worthy or worthless, whether they're in a job, society, family, or whatever? It wouldn't be too easy, would it? You know, as Christians, we are to look at everyone as priceless. You may say, oh my, you've got to be kidding. No, everyone is special. Uh, you might say or think, well, so-and-so over there, that's an upright person who is willing to help anyone. But that person over there, or that criminal, or that Vladimir Putin, or that so-and-so who is always in trouble and worked hard in their life, does that sound familiar? So how can they all be priceless? To God they are, and why? Because they have qualities that we all possess. It is something that Christ knows all too well. It is sin. John 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the examples I gave you, we are to love the person. But you do not have to love the acts or attitudes they do or do not possess. A saying I heard many years ago still sticks with me. You love God as much as you detest or hate the person the most. Sin is not a word we hear used or accepted, if ever, in society today. Sin has been used with phrases such as a misuse of judgment, a flaw in character, a momentary lapse, a genuine mistake. A survey of beliefs of today's generation, ages 15 to 25, revealed that 60% of them do not care about sin, but rather would focus on poverty, saving our planet, trade, justice, racism, etc. But what Jesus sees, hears, and feels from each of us is far more important and far more influential than any societal group, government, or institution could ever judge, march for, or comment on. By the way, did you know that there are temptations that Christians are ranked in? Yes, there is. I read an article from a magazine called Discipleship Journal. These are the top 10 uh, temptations, or we, I guess you would call them sins, of Christians. Number one, materialism. Number two, pride. Number three, self-centeredness. Number four, laziness. Five, anger. Six, bitterness tied with sexual lust. Eight, envy. Nine, gluttony. And ten, lying. You can agree or you can disagree. But sin is mentioned over 400 times in the Bible regarding avoidance and resisting temptation. We need to abide, as Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit sets me free 
from the law of sin and death. Oswald Chambers, in his book called Disciples Indeed, gives us a true biblical approach. How do we face the tempter, Satan? Satan is a deceiver, he is a divider, and he is a destroyer. Do it by prayer alone? No. Do it by the word of God alone? No. Face the tempter with Jesus Christ. Repent, and he will lead you to the word of God, and you and your temptation will cease. Do you agree? If not, why not? Who do you put your trust in? Christian or not, we need to be whole before we can truly look to others as priceless and worthy. Is there a need in your life today? Is there a need to overcome selfishness or fear or hate or materialism? A poet once wrote the following lines, which I feel express the longings of many people today. Oh, I wish there was some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our sins and mistakes could be laid aside like a shabby old coat and never be put on again. You know, yes, there is such a place. It is a place where you meet Jesus daily. Home, work, community, high school, Zurich church, wherever. Christ is counting on you to communicate with him daily. Yes, Jesus is priceless when compared to everything else. Again, Philippians 3.8, paraphrased. Everything is a loss and worthless when compared to the priceless gain in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. And this leads to a second point from Philippians that I'd like to read, verse 9. And be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which is, which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You and I rely on electricity to light our homes. Many today rely on cell phones and iPads to communicate faster and oftener with others. You count on all members such as elders, deacons, associate pastors, worship team, sound team, youth leaders, Sunday school leaders, treasurer, secretary, and all others to keep your church here at Zurich both operating and a family atmosphere. But when do you and I personally count on Jesus Christ alone with no technology and no other personal agents? That is the crunch of this reading in Philippians. No one, not one of us, can count on being saved by being good enough, by obeying God's laws fully, or by serving God here or on missions. These aren't my own words, but Jesus and the word of God. Jesus said in, in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to him and make our home with him. Psalm 62, 1, 2, truly my soul finds rest in my God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Christ alone, his grace alone, and your absolute faith in Christ are the pathways to heaven. Life for you and I will not always be safe, secure, happy, without troubles, suffering, and tribulation. But we can believe and we can take to heart Romans 5, 3, 4, which states, 
Not only so, but we also glorify in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. Johnny Erickson Tata has been a quadriplegic in a wheelchair for years, paralyzed from a diving accident. Hear what now, what hope in Christ means to her. Quote, I can hardly believe it. I with shriveled bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feelings from the shoulders down. But I will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope that gives someone like me, spinal cord injured like me, or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, or has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope that gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, hearts, and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. Unquote. What an outlook. Could you and I see as Joni does? Do you have hope, for example, in the rapture? Many Christians see the rapture, don't see the rapture as relevant today, but the second happens, it will be very relevant. Uh, there was a time in my life, too, when I could count on someone I felt was reliable, organized, dependent, and receptive to all suggestions. Myself. I tell you, boy, was I wrong. When I truly started to let Christ be number one and count on Christ alone, then I began to find, as Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. You sometimes, like me, have asked the question, why me? Or why not me? Yes, why me? Why not me? Well, I'm going to give you a few examples in my life. I'm not doing these to boast or to brag, but to show you how some real-life experiences have affected my personal life. First of all, <clears throat> I survived, but my stronger identical twin brother dies one day after birth. Why not me? Directly after retiring from teaching, I got involved and organized a small network of people to provide tangible support and more importantly, prayer support for a dear friend and church member at Poole. This dedicated group of people provided transportation to Toronto General and Freeport in Kitchener three times a week from September 2003 until February 2005 when he received his double lung transplant. Why me? Leaving the Anglican faith after th almost 30 years and then in the late 1990s and 2000s serving and doing mission work out of my comfort zone in a new church setting. Why me? I look back now and see how God knew the why. Christ is truly priceless to me. Everything in my life does not always go as I plan, but it requires a GPS involvement in my participation too. How do I do this, or should be doing it? By praying, by praising, by asking, 
by listening, by reading his word, by repenting and being open. In return, you and I can and will receive, learn, experience, and believe more. I'm sure you're familiar with the poem Footprints, and I'll just read a few lines. But I noticed during the saddest, most troublesome moments of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never forsake you. Never, even during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Who or what is carrying you now in your life? With true faith, salvation awaits us. Romans 13, 14. Rather close yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Where are you in your faith walk with Christ? May you all truly have faith without doubting and hope without wavering. Again, his way is the right and only way. Christ is truly priceless. And this comes to the third point. Christ as your priceless Savior can only be seen in Christ's resurrection. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. I want to know Christ, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in death, and to somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Christ's resurrection changes you and me. A dead Christ can change no one. All other religions do not pray to or have a living Savior. Our task should be bringing the risen Christ to others so that eternal life is a gift. Never, ever give up praying, speaking, or helping someone to know Christ, whether a family member, a relative, a friend, a neighbor, or whoever. You may just plant that seed and others with God's leading will do the rest. For me personally, it has been out of the ordinary opportunities, out of my comfort zone, like visiting, singing, and giving gifts at men's and women's prisons under concentration camp-like conditions in Nicaragua. It's been like sharing and praying with cancer patients of all ages in a most despicable, unhealthy environment in Managua. It's been like sharing with residents, supporting, fixing, and praying with them in their dilapidated trailers and their homes in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia. Not everyone is called to go mission work or to go beyond Zurich Church or Huron County, but you are to share God's word in your own environment. Paul wrote to the Christians to be more than conquerors. We and you and I are to be the same. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work. God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Christ wants us to be for him, not against him. He gave the ultimate gift for all of us, his life. The reward of one's faith is not always immediate, nor of a possessive nature. But it certainly can be, 
and will be permanent and everlasting in heaven. The lessons from Philippians 3 reveal how Paul, one of the greatest sinners, became one of the greatest Christian leaders, writers, and teachers for Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit lead you too. Wouldn't you like to hear in heaven? Well, welcome home. Well done, good and faithful servant. Heaven is our ultimate calling. I pray that if you do not know or have accepted Christ, that you embrace his gift of salvation. Choose to embrace Jesus really as the truth, the way, and the life and allow him to set you free. In closing, each of you here, every one of you, regardless of age, is priceless in God's sight. Each of your gifts are priceless. Each of you as a person is priceless in God's eyes. But most of all, Jesus Christ is and can be your savior the most priceless gift of all. May you count on Christ. First, know him. Second, put faith in him. And thirdly, believe in his resurrection. But most of all, see him as priceless and receive his gift of everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. You, Lord Jesus, are truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are priceless. May each person here today and those watching virtually accept you to become your son or daughter forever. May we all be your example each day and use your holy word, your love and your peace to shine to others. We pray for the leadership here at, at Zurich as well as each member, teenager, child, whoever. We also pray that the person you have chosen to become pastor to accept your calling to this position will be done in your perfect timing. May you bless us all. Amen.